Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, this is episode 53 of Intuitive Bites. I have a special guest this week, and that is one of the co-authors of Intuitive Eating, Evelyn Triboli. And we are talking about some of the myths around intuitive eating. Um, Obviously, intuitive eating has been kind of exploding recently, um, and it's, you know, becoming more of a trend, um, and it's very popular, getting a lot of press, I guess you could say. Um, I love what Evelyn says. I'm not even sure if it's in the episode of her. It's just when we were off air talking, but um, talking about how intuitive eating is a movement, right? Over really a trend. I feel like I always cringe to say it's a trend because that means it's going to go away. Um, but really, this is this is where we need to be moving um, in terms of taking care of our bodies, our health, um, and just our relationship to food. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys. Um, Lots of really interesting stuff in here. Um, And then I also wanted to let you guys know just a couple things. So I do have um, my Diet Culture is a Liar stickers, but now I'm also selling pins. Um, So they're kind of in the pre-order stage right now, but I'll be sending the pins out in early 2020. So really in the next couple of weeks, I'll be starting to send them out, but you can just go to my website. It's the intuitive or you can click the link in my bio, uh, and that'll direct you to how to order the pins and stickers. And then I'm also taking on private clients right now. You know, I do one-on-one intuitive eating counseling. So if you feel like you need a little bit more support on your journey, this is a great option. Um, so you can also, just go to my website uh, to set up a discovery call uh, for that. So just click on the like work with me tab on my website um, and I will reach out to you after you do that and we can set something up just to chat and see if we're a good fit for working together. All right, guys, let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Evelyn Triboli. Oh, you know what? I'm going to do a screenshot really quick. Oh, that's a good idea because we will probably forget. Okay, I got one. Hope you smile. All right. <laughs> I, I was smiling. <laughs> okay, okay we are, we're good to go. Um, so Evelyn, I'm super excited to chat with you today. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. I tell you, intuitive eating is so near and dear in my heart. It's like, yes, I'll talk about it. Yes. <laughs> Let's get the information out there. Amazing. And I, I saw you give the, the amazing fancy presentation this year, just a, few, a couple months ago now. Um, and it really made me interested in talking to you more about like some of the myths around intuitive eating, especially since it's so like, so such a a trend, quote unquote trend right now, it's getting popular. Um, There's a lot of different ways that it's kind of being interpreted. Um, So I'd love to ask you more about that. Sure. So the first one that I want to ask you about is basically, you know, I think a lot of people come to intuitive eating um, looking for something other than a diet because they know the diets aren't working. Um, but they, they might still be attached to this idea naturally that, you know, weight loss is kind of the end result of eating health in a healthier way. So I guess what I would like to kind of 
myth bust here or like ask your opinion on is, you know, this concept that intuitive eating, like the end result is supposed to be weight loss. Yeah. I'm so glad we're starting there. So, I mean, and let's not forget that the first principle of intuitive eating is reject the diet mentality. And you know, when it comes to intuitive eating, we are weight inclusive, weight neutral, meaning we have no expectation as to what weight is. The harm though, and this, this one actually, it just pisses me off when people who have not been trained in the method start offering it uh, as a weight loss method, because what it ends up doing is making people think, oh my God, I'm doing it wrong. I didn't lose weight. And so basically there's three outcomes that can happen. If, if you're looking at weight, if you're looking at weight, you can stay the same. You might gain, you might lose weight. The focus needs to be on what's happening inside your body and the moment you start putting the shift in the attention toward weight loss it becomes external what's the scale say how much am I eating and intuitive eating is an inside job and I'm, I'm laughing as I'm saying that because <laughs> we just turned in our copy edited manuscript to um, for the fourth edition of intuitive eating and Elise was Evelyn I think you're using that a little bit too much I think we gotta let go of some of the inside job stuff I go, it's so important it's so important you know <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love that. So helpful. And that comes out in June. Is that right? Yeah. I can't wait. I was, I've been telling clients about it. Cause I, when I start working with them, I, I definitely recommend that they get the book. And I'm like, I think it comes out in January, but then I realized, Oh no, it's not, not till June. So we still have six months to go. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I'm getting a lot of questions on that too. So what I suggest is they can start with the workbook. The workbook stands alone. It's relatively new. And then in June, when the new edition comes out, I'd buy that one. Cause we really did updated on so many levels talking about weight stigma the diet culture and myths of intuitive eating and all kinds of things and we even tweak some of the principles a bit too wow that's very yeah. exciting yeah okay. yeah so the next kind of myth or thing yeah the thing i want to talk to you about is this idea that i feel like when people start on their intuitive eating journey they go through a period of time where they're you know making peace with food mm -hmm. and they get this impression that intuitive eating is kind of like whatever eat whatever you want whenever you yeah. want and also that along with that it's like you know anti-health anti-nutrition ah. care about nutrition so i'd love for you to speak to that <laughs> all right let's start first with and well actually you know what i'll start with a generalized statement they get more more focused you know when i first got onto instagram just a year ago i was shocked on all the posts on intuitive eating kind of thrilled and i saw so many posts with like pink donuts and cupcakes and and i thought oh that's why people have the perception that intuitive eating is anti-health it couldn't be further from the truth and we have to remember the 10th principle of intuitive eating is on your health with gentle nutrition it's a dynamic approach you just can't cherry pick and say one principle makes or breaks intuitive eating but i think what it is it's so exciting when you're working with making peace with food that you're trying out all these foods they taste amazing or sometimes it's like uh no it doesn't it's like what you can't believe it so you have another bite a third bite or something and it's like why and i, I love watching that and, and the truth is is that guilt doesn't taste very good and usually people get really sucked up into the energy and the urgency and the excitement of eating and they're not even tasting and as a side note you know, I just recently posted something in my stories on Instagram. I got a, um, someone tagged me on a post on how their kids still have their Halloween candy. Here it is today as we're talking, it's December. And she said, she's noticed that ever since she let go of trying to manage their kids' sugar intake, they could care less about it. So I posted that and I've been getting all these DMs from other moms. Me too, me too. And so that's the thing that it's so hard to believe that when we make peace and we go towards these very foods that we think are problematic, there's a paradox that happens. Because when you're allowed to eat, you get to ask, do I really want it now? If I eat it now, am I going to enjoy it? It. And when I do eat it, do I like how I feel? 
you know? So, and that's all part of it also. So I think when we're looking at intuitive eating, what makes it kind of unique, it's about mental health as much as physical health as well. It's about cultivating a healthy relationship with food, mind, and body. So when we start thinking about because it has become so popular. I've been hearing a lot of people saying it's a movement and I'm kind of thinking, I think it is a movement. It's kind of reclaiming our our bodies and our, and our rights. And it's very, very powerful. But I think because of that, we're seeing a lot of co-opting. I just saw someone from the biggest loser co-opting intuitive eating on there. Oh, hell no. no. (laughs) Reject the diet mentality. And so that's what we have to keep remembering. It's not about that. It's not about that. Yeah. 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 And I love that. I, I mean, I think that like, it gets, you know, those, the pink donuts and the whatever, all those kinds of foods when people are talking about intuitive eating, because it's like this freedom that's like been opened yeah. up. And it's exciting. It is exciting. That's an exciting part of it. But the, yeah. I think like the way that I always think about it is like, like that's the beginning of the journey. And then like things tend to balance out in a new way that like really is aligned with like what feels best for you and your body and what feels best for your cravings and what you love and your comfort foods. Um, but it's like a little bit confusing in the beginning as you're working yes. through all the foods that you weren't allowing yourself to have or you thought that you weren't supposed to have. Well, yeah. And I get patients sometimes who get really terrified. Like, oh my God, when's this going to stop? When am I going to start wanting to eat healthy? And so part of it is we can't roll into these expectations. And it depends how long has this food been uh, forbidden. Uh, If you're someone who's been on a diet since the age of five, and sadly, I've I've worked with a lot of patients who started dieting really early because they're well-intended parents and pediatricians. If you started dieting at the age of five, you're now just making peace with food at the age of 40, it's probably going to take you longer. And it has nothing to do with skill set or knowledge. It has to do with all of this healing all of this healing you know right absolutely yeah I feel like that's another question totally that comes up a lot it's like how long is this process going to take you know I get that question all the time and so I guess the best way to answer it it really depends everyone's in in, in the individual and and the one of the worst things you can do is to compare your journey with someone else's and assume you're doing something wrong Uh, I'll tell you when you start getting into the histories of people's lives you know if they had food insecurity where they didn't know if they're going to have dinner on the table that has a whole other level of healing than someone who grew up and uh never dieted until they got into college that's a completely different history and it's going to take a different amount of time you know yeah very good point absolutely yeah so i guess this is something that i i mentioned i kind of alluded to before but this idea of like intuitive eating as like eat whatever you want whenever you want and like part of me when i hear that is kind of like sure like there's nothing wrong with that like I feel like even that statement alone is like this there's this fear of like letting yourself kind of um or kind of yeah letting yourself be free around food and part of me just wants to be like yeah whatever but also I want like to talk about I guess I'd love to hear your perspective on that like the idea of like eating whatever whenever and like this the concept of like attunement yeah well and that's actually a really good point because it's often misconstrued that it's eat whatever whenever ah, who cares and it's like no it's actually eating with connection and you're in charge. And I've had some patients go through this rebellious phase, like, you can't tell me what to do. You don't want yes. me to cookies? Like, watch this. It's a big F you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cookies get, get ripped apart, you know? <laughs> but the truth is, if you ate without this kind of self-connection, that's not going to feel very good either, you know? But I think in the beginning, it's kind of celebratory for a lot of people that can't believe they can eat these foods, that either that they taste good or that even though that they taste good, it's like, I don't want any more. Oh, my God. I can't believe that, you know? So it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And I think so many people, like, it's funny because whenever I am talking to a new client and I'm like, let's just like kind of see what happens, whatever. But like, and I kind of tell them of like past experiences with other clients that who are making peace with certain foods. And I think 
it always feels like, well, it worked for them, but it, that, that's not going to happen for me and like my yeah. pure food, you know? So it's like one of those things that like when it's experienced, it's like so powerful. It is. And you're, and you're alluding to a really important point. And this has to do with trust, you know, and trust is such a basic thing that we need. And if it's violated at an early age by someone telling you, you can't eat that and you're hungry, you know, and it's a parent. And again, I'm not here to shame parents. Parents are doing the best they can. It's a hard, hard job. I think it's one of the most humbling things you can ever do, but it violates that trust, you know, and then you add on that. If you're someone who's experienced trauma, that's another tr uh, trust violation. And so I hear that comment a lot. This works for other people, but not me. And so we need to begin really gently. And we recognize that, you know what? Every time you're on or hungry with just one bite of food, you are cultivating trust with each bite of food. I think that's a tremendously hopeful thing to start looking at, you know, that, oh, this is making a difference, you know, but it doesn't happen overnight either. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Those small, small steps. Whenever I think about trust, for some reason, I have this memory of, I don't remember how old I was, but this is probably something that happened several times, but it was, I, I made a comment to one of my parents saying like, you know, I, I'm not hungry for any more dinner, but like, I'm hungry for, like, I, I'm hungry for dessert. Like, uh -huh. that's what I said. And I was kind of shut down. And again, like, well-meaning parents, but it was kind of like, oh, that's funny. Like, you can't be hungry for one food and not another. Right. So it was like, and I, I just remember thinking like, oh, huh, like I can't, right. Like I, I really absorbed that message. Like, oh, that's silly that I was thinking that, you know? Yeah. 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 So trust takes a while to heal. And so I think there's kind of a, a normal skepticism and what I say to my patients anyone out there listening to your podcast I, I say it's a healthy skepticism to have I wish people had it in diet culture because they might not have gone down that rabbit hole so it's fine to question it you know um, but it's going to take some time bit by bit and then all of a sudden you start seeing oh I eat when I'm hungry I stop when I'm full I eat to a point of satisfaction I can eat whatever food I want to I think what ends up happening with that, it becomes so empowering. I get so many emails and DMs that this is life-changing. And I think what part of it is, is when you're really listening and honoring connection based on your needs, based on interceptive awareness, which is our ability to perceive physical sensations. And that sounds like, ho oh, hum, who cares? But these messages from our body, it's our body language. And it's telling about what we need. Oh, I'm sleepy. My eyes are heavy. Oh, bladder's full. Got pee. Uh, hungry. All these kinds of things. And what happens is you start honoring them. So this is called um, interceptive responsivity. So it's not enough just to hear, do you respond in a timely manner. You start trusting yourself in other areas in your life. It's like this cross-training effect where your life has actually really changed. And I think that's why this work is so gratifying, you know? Yes, yes. I resonate with that so much. Like the way that like, st it starts with food, it starts with like kind of changing your relationship to food, but it seeps out into all the different areas of your life. And it really is so powerful. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was something that um, what came up in the your presentation at the National Nutrition Conference, FENCI, and that was talking about the myth that intuitive eating is all instinctual. So I would oh, yeah. just love you to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, and um, basically, you know, intuitive eating is a dynamic interplay of, of emotion, rational thought, and instinct. All of it goes into play. And because we're humans, we can use our rational mind. Meaning, you know what, guess what? There are going to be times our hunger is off offline with stress, 
with sadness. One of the most powerful um, realizations I ever had with this, and I think it's where I got stronger in my messaging, and this is sad but true. Uh, my mom died 12 years ago of ovarian cancer, and I was supposed to give her eulogy. And I woke up that morning, and I had absolutely no desire to eat. And I'm pretty, I'm happy to tell you I'm pretty connected with my body. And I also know I don't feel well uh, and functioning at my best if I'm not fed. I thought, holy moly, what am I going to do? Nothing sounds good. It feels like eating glass or something. And I realized, oh, well, I need nourishment. That's my rational mind. To, to do my best, I want to be nourished. And okay, food doesn't sound good. I certainly don't want to chew. Maybe that means liquid. So I think I ended up having like a smoothie and a latte. And I remember thinking, oh, this is powerful self-care. This is nourishment as self-care. And that's what's really important to recognize that we can utilize that, you know? Because we also know with some illnesses or like with eating disorders, uh, when someone is in the throes of malnutrition, because of all the consequences, the biological cascade you can get early and prolonged fullness and that's not gonna be enough to feed and nourish your body if you have a lot of anxiety that can cause nausea and it's no different than when we're working with somebody who has cancer and they're undergoing chemotherapy or radiation that's causing profound lack of appetite we find ways kind ways to nourish the body so that's why it's not just all instinctual yes we listen to the cues of our body but we also use our our wise mind you know yeah. that's about that. Yeah. I love that because I think that, you know, one of the other things that I see often is kind of the black and white rigid thinking oh. or, with intuitive eating. And, you know, the, yeah. uh, I think it was Isabel Fox and Duke who kind of refers to it as sometimes like the hunger and fullness diet when you're yeah. kind of that, that narrow lens. Um, but also it makes me think of, I, my first job as a dietitian was at a, a bariatric surgery clinic. And since then yeah. I've come a long way in my knowledge of, you know, health, every size, intuitive eating, this whole framework. But I remember the experiences that those patients shared with me and many of them weren't, would kind of, um, would share that they weren't feeling hungry in the morning. A lot of them would say, I, you know, I don't have an appetite all day. And then, you know, whatever happens later in the day, I get really hungry or whatever. Um, but I just always thought it was interesting. And I think that this is something that's going to resonate with a lot of people that like, even if, the hunger is absent, like, you know, using your rational mind to understand and play around with like, what does it feel like when you nourish yourself kind of, you know, just knowing, knowing that you need that, even though the hunger isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's another form of getting to know your body and cultivating kind of like this playlist of meals and foods that you know that taste good, satisfy. And one of the key aspects in this when we're looking at self at self care is it needs to match your energy level. So if you're sick, and you're surviving the day and you got kids and like, oh my God, you, that's not going to be the, even if you love to cook, you're not going to cook that five course meal. It's probably going to be takeout, but what sounds good and what matches your, your energy level. And there's a lot of freedom, but what you were saying about, you know, this reductionistic idea of hungerfulness. And that's right. I step back and say, remember it's 10 principles. It's not, and they're and these principles are guidelines. They're not rules. They're not rigid rules. If I used to be rigid about anything, and I, even then I'm hesitant to even word it that way, it'd be rejected <laughs> diet mentality. And even then I would still say, even if you have remnant uh, diet mentality, that's to be expected. It doesn't mean you can't be an intuitive eater. So everything is in the gray. And these are our guidelines to help get you there. 
But, but as you know, dieting and diet culture is very black and white. And so thinking in the gray is a very different way of thinking, which is why people unintentionally turn intuitive eating into a diet. I don't mind when that happens with, you know, uh, consumers doing that. I get really, really upset though, when it's weight loss companies trying to co-opt our stuff, uh, using it in a way it was never intended to be. This was originally intended to be a healing from diet culture, or we didn't actually call it diet culture back then, but just dieting, you know? Yes. Yes. But you, so I'm curious to hear, like you said that you'll have some information about like kind of diet culture using that terminology in the new edition. Yes. Yeah. We had a, we have a whole section on diet culture and part of the diet mentality because what we've seen, and I'm sure you've seen this too over the years is that I've had people look me straight in the eye and say, Oh, I don't diet, but they're doing the whole 30 or they're doing Weight Watchers or their keto lifestyle. And, and then that made me realize, you know what, we need to use some better languaging because people aren't relating to that. And so then talking about what diet culture is and, you know, does an awesome, phenomenal job on that is Christy Harrison and her book's coming out. I'm so, so excited about it. I hope that's going to, the more books we have coming out like this to open people's eyes and mind to end this unnecessary suffering. So you can get onto the business of your life, your purpose and doing the things that are meaningful for you you know? Oh, yeah. So exciting. So many good things coming out. Yeah. Um, so I, one last thing that I wanted to ask you about that actually isn't even one of the myths really, but I'm just, I like hearing you talk about this is the idea of like satisfaction and yeah. that being an important piece of intuitive eating. You know, it's at least I call it the hub of intuitive eating. It's like all the principles that revolve around that. If you think about it, because if you're dieting, that's not usually very satisfying. You're always trying to out trick you know, have fake, fake fullness and out trick hunger, all that kind of stuff. And so you can really start with any principle. You don't have to start in order. When you write a book, of course, you need an order. And so I will often start people with aiming for satisfaction. And I love it because number one, it's pleasure, a pleasant, yeah, pleasure based. And number two, it's very personal. I don't know what a satisfying meal would be for you today, for your body, what that would be. And then I don't know the amounts. I don't know any of that kind of stuff. So it's something for you to start figuring out. And I've had patients cry when we talk about that. No one has ever asked me that or even like, what are some of your favorite foods? I don't know. It's not on the diet plan. You know, it's not on the food list. It's on the no-no list. And so, huh, because ultimately it's not satisfying to undereat. Ultimately, it's not satisfying to, to overeat, however you want to define whatever that is. So if you were to start with one thing, I would start with that. It's very pleasant and it makes you in charge. You are always in charge of this process. That's the other part I love. It's true liberation, you know, for your body. No one can possibly know what tastes good, what feels good or sounds good for you you know? Uh, Yeah. And I feel like that's like such an exciting thing for people. And also though, like, I feel like, especially with certain clients who really have been attached to diets since they were very young, it can be like disorienting and like confusing to think about and like overwhelming even, you know? Well, it can because so many people these days get their identity from the diet that they're on, their specialness. And I will never forget, I had a client, I worked with her for about two years And it was about in the year mark, uh, she had realized most of her friendships had bonded around dieting. And so there was a kind of a grieving process she went through in that the diet, the losing the identity as the fit one, and then not wanting to talk about it, and then having friends not believe her. (laughs) And And she was so mad. I said, well, we have to give some compassion here. You taught them that those are the things at that time in your life are very important to you. They're no longer, you've seen that you've had the pain from all of this kind of stuff. So it's absolutely fascinating. But that freedom part, I think, is so important you know 
Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Evelyn, thank you so much. I would love for you to just share where people can find you because now you're so active on Instagram. Ah. Very exciting. Um, and also just like the resources that you have available for people. Yeah, so Instagram's a great place to find me. I, I'm really surprised, surprised myself that I actually love it because I was very, very reluctant to get on. It's like, no, 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 that's a Kardashian thing. I don't do that stuff. <laughs> and, then, and then to find out, it's incredibly meaningful to me. It actually helps uh, my passion to fill my work. So a couple things coming out. So we've got our website, theintuitiveeating.org. There's my website, evelyntriply.com. There's, for the diet, for health professionals out there, you can get certified in intuitive eating. It's something we're actually really pushing on because there are so many health, you cannot intellectually understand this process and be a good practitioner, right? You really do need to be trained. So we're, we're really, really pushing that. And then for those that, have, that happen to be in Australia, I'm so excited. I just agreed to speak in Australia uh, as part of the ICE conference at the post post conference, a workshop, a full day workshop. And then I'll be doing another thing with some other dietitians up in first one's in Sydney and then it's in, in Melbourne. So, and I'm also, excuse me. When is that? That's in June, June, 2020. June's a big month. And then I'm also working on a book right now. I'm so excited about that. And that will be released in the, in 2021. So things are percolating and it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm loving all of this and and helping to make a difference in people's lives. It feels like it's my life's work, you know, in in a really good, cool way. Yeah. So many big things coming. That's so exciting. And what your handle on Instagram, is it just at Evelyn Tripoli? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is. It's just my name, Evelyn Tripoli. That's easy. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you again so much, Evelyn. This was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. All right. That's a wrap on this episode of Intuitive Bites. Definitely uh, check out more of Evelyn's stuff. You can follow her on Instagram at Evelyn Tripoli. And look out for the new edition of the Intuitive Eating book coming in June of 2020. Also, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you're interested in working together one-on-one, I am offering that right now. So you can just click on the link in my bio or go to my website directly, theintuitiverd.com and click on the work with me tab. um, And then we can set up a discovery call to chat and see if we'd be a good fit for working together. Uh, And then finally, you can order my diet culture is a liar items. So I have the stickers and pins um, also on my website or just click the link in my bio and it'll direct you to how to do that. Um, And I also didn't mention at the beginning of the episode, but I have a code for a discount right now. If you just enter the code diet culture is a liar when you're ordering, you'll get a dollar off. Um, So if you made it to the end of this episode, you get that special deal. Um, I hope you guys are having a good time over your holidays here. Um, and I will talk to you really soon.